Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm the senior pastor here at LifePoint Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like a little more information about our church, check out lpchurch.us. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. As Sean said, Mark is out today, so you get me. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but several years ago, uh, my wife Shannon and I uh, were out, which when we lived in Weatherford, we're out on the town kind of doing some shopping and stuff so we didn't have the kids with us. And Shannon, she just, she, she just said something's wrong. And uh, so I looked at her and I could tell, I don't know if you can say that she was sweating or if you're supposed to use a different word, but she was sweating very bad and she was pale. And she said, I think, it's, I think there's something going on with my heart. I don't feel bad, but there's just something wrong. And so I, you know, I, I, Tried to figure out, you know, let's see what your, she goes, I feel like my heart's racing, so I'm feeling here, and, and I listen to her chest, and, and her heart is beating so fast that I can't tell how many beats, because they're, it's like one continuous beat, and I'm like, well, I don't really know what's going on, but let's get to the emergency room, let's go to the hospital, and long story um, f- for another day, uh, we drove past the hospital uh, to drive 30 minutes to another hospital, because uh, we don't want to go to that one. There was a reason. Um, so we go to Fort Worth and we go to the hospital. They check us in, you know, we're in the ER and they check us in and they take us back to the room. And then a doctor comes in and he says, we're going to take Miss Denson, we're going to run some tests. And so puts her in the wheelchair and he starts to push her out of the room. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I just step in front of the chair and I'm like, I don't even know you. Can I go with her? He said, no, sir, you can't go uh, for these tests. And I, I'm like, well, what? <laughs> Well, I got one question, and we all know what the question was. Are you a Democrat or a Republican? (laughs) No, I didn't ask that question because do you know in times of crisis or in times of emergency, the things that so often divide us and we're so passionate about, they don't mean anything. I didn't care how he voted. I didn't care how he stood on the abortion issue. I didn't care what, if he went to church, if he didn't, went to, didn't go to church, if, if he followed, I, I, I didn't care about anything. You know what I cared about in that moment? Can you help my wife? That's all I cared about. And that's kind of, sort of, what we're going to talk about today because some of us believe, and probably rightfully so, that our nation could be in this crisis mode, this emergency mode. Right, We understand the border, and some people don't think it's a big deal. I have family on the border. It is a big deal. Um, we, we can't care for the people who are coming across our border. And, and there are issues like the abortion issue that, that we're divided on. And, and some people say it's, it's the most divided we've ever been. Now, I'm not quite sure that holds true. Maybe in our lifetime, um, but we did have a civil war where 800,000 people died. And so I'm not so sure it's the div- most divided we've ever been, but we are divided. And in the next 12 months we'll probably become more divided because there's gonna be a presidential election and just by saying the words like Trump or Biden, some of you just got tense in your chest like I can't stand that, he's on the other side. So I understand that. And some people, I I literally got asked this this week, do you think this is the end? Do you think this is the beginning of the end? Like like are we in the end times? Or like, like do you think God is judging America? And this was my response, I don't know. I I don't know what God is up to, but what I do know is we have a responsibility. What I do know is we have a responsibility, and so often our differences, they paralyze us to do nothing, and that should not ever, ever be the case, because Republicans, 
Yes, there are Republicans that follow Jesus. Republican Christ followers, you have a responsibility. And Democrat Christ followers, you have a responsibility. And independent and no voters, you have a responsibility as a follower of Christ. And this is what we tend to do, what many of us know people that do this. We do nothing, but we complain about everything. Man, it's quiet in here. Now, if you're not a Christian today, if you do not follow Jesus, you have this option. You can do nothing and complain about everything. Honestly, you can do that. And, and I'll even take it a step further. If you claim to be a Christ follower, but your following ends with what you believe, I probably don't have much for you today. But if you are a true Christ follower, you wake up every day and say, okay, Jesus, what are we doing? What put somebody in front of me that need, like, like I need to know what you want me to do today. If you're that kind of person, you don't get this choice. You don't get to sit back and complain about everything but do nothing. But that's the temptation. And do you know why that's the temptation? Because of one word, awareness. Because of awareness. Did you know that just a few years ago, not very long ago, some of you may remember some of this, most people were only aware of the suffering and the pain within their family or those very close to them, proximity-wise. Like, like they didn't know what was going on on the other side of town, much less the other side of, other side of the state or nation or world. But you and I, we live in a very different age because we are aware of everything, everywhere. We know it because of technology, we are aware of everything everywhere. And can we just be honest about that? It is overwhelming. Scientifically, it has been proven that we can't even take in all the information that we read or hear or see in a day. Impossible, we can't do it. There's so much, we're so aware of what's around us. And I'm just gonna give the, the media a little, a little day off today. The reason that is, the reason we know about problems everywhere is because we've asked for it. Because you cannot monetize positive news. You can't do it. I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. There are literally thousands of airplanes that take off every day and land every day safely. And if they put that on the news every day, this airplane took off from this such such and they flew this flying. If, if they did, gave you all the details about that, you wouldn't watch the news. Because you don't care. Neither do I, but we care about the one that didn't, right? We understand this. And so what many of us do, and I'm just gonna be honest with you, we're in church, so we have to be honest, right? This is what I do. This is the camp I fall in. Many of us just tune it out. Like, I can come to work here. I come to work and Mark or whoever, they say, hey, did you hear about such and such? And I'm like, nope. And they're like, what does it matter with you? Do you live in a cave? And I'm like, I wish, <laughs> Like, I would do that because I just, I, I just want to get away. It's so overwhelming. I just tune it out. And do you know why I do that? <laughs> because unawareness is bliss. But as a Christ follower, unawareness is a swing and a miss. Because I'm not bothered by, nor am I moved by, nor Am I inspired to get involved with any type of human suffering that I don't know about? And so we tend to push it away and do nothing. So we should not shut it out. We shouldn't shut it all out. 
but we should also not take it all on because the results of both of those is nothing because we don't do something about something we don't know we don't know about but also if we try to take it all on it's like trying to eat an elephant in one bite it's impossible so the result of both is nothing so what do we do what do we do we know that there's division among us we know even in this room we don't all see eye to eye on everything what do we do when there's division but we also know there's human suffering and something must be done what do we do. Well, we can't just sit around and complain and do nothing. Especially if you're a Christ follower. Because our response to the suffering around us, our response has been prescribed to us and modeled for us. We don't get to choose. And again, if you don't follow Christ, you do get a choice. I understand that. But if you follow Christ, you do not get to choose. Because our response has been prescribed to us and modeled for us. In the Gospels, Jesus sets this example. And I, I, I'm just going to be up front. This is kind of disturbing. I hope, my hope is that this is so disturbing to you today that you actually go home and you read the Gospels. The first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is basically the life of Christ. And find out for yourself. Because it's disturbing and it kind of bothers me. It's uncomfortable to say the least. Because Jesus is always meeting the immediate needs of others. He's always doing that. He's always meeting the immediate needs. My servant is sick. He's busy. He's doing something. Hey, my servant is sick. And he says, hey, guys, time out. Let me go deal with this. And, and then later on, he's, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. And, and they come to him and they say, hey, my, there's something wrong with our son. He, he keeps falling in the fire. Like There has to be something wrong with him. And Jesus says, hey, guys, just hold on a minute. Time out. I, I need to go deal with this. And he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. And, and someone grabs the, the hem of his robe and he can feel the power leave him. And he turns around and he deals with a woman who's been sick pretty much her entire adult life. And he heals her. He was always meeting the immediate needs of others. But the odd thing is he did not permanently solve any of society's problems. Not one of them. Matter of fact, he refused to be dragged into debates about the system or how to change the system or how to get rid of Rome. From a Jewish perspective, Rome was, was the government then and, and from their perspective, Rome needed to be overthrown. I mean, they, they were treating him terribly. And he avoided those conversations. So, did he not care? Was he not concerned? Was he apathetic about the people around him? No. Because he was always meeting their immediate needs. Jesus knew that there had to be something different. There had to be a deeper issue. And the system couldn't fix it. And he tells us what the problem is. Matthew 15, 19, this is just one of the times he talks about it. He says, for out of the heart... Out of your heart, out of my heart, comes evil thoughts that lead to these evil actions. Out of our heart, the heart is the root issue. And the anger that comes out of the thoughts that leads to taking someone's life to murder, that comes from the heart. Adultery, not keeping your word, 
breaking your vow. It comes from the heart's sexual immorality, addiction, pornography. It, it doesn't come from a system. It comes from our heart. Theft. If you've ever had anything stolen from you, you know it feels terrible. Some of you had your childhood stolen because of something someone else did. False testimony, slander. If we were going to translate that into today's language, you'd just say Twitter. <laughs> and Jesus says, I, I really don't think we need a system for murder and a system for adultery and so on and so on. We need a change of heart. Jesus knew that. And honestly, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that. That a changed heart is the way forward. That a system can't fix that or a set of laws can't fix that. Because the fact is this. There is no perfect solution to problems that involve people. Because people are involved in both the problem and the solution. You can't come up with something perfect from something imperfect. And when we're involved, it's always going to be imperfect. And at the end of the day, whether you believe in Jesus or not, I believe if you read those four books, if you would just look at his life and his ethic and the way he lived his life, you, I believe that you will believe that it would be a better life and a better place if we would live like that. And it doesn't mean you don't vote. Of course you vote. I hope you do vote. And it doesn't mean you don't obey laws. Of course you obey the laws. I mean, sometimes I speed, but besides that, I'm pretty good. But for the most part, those are dealing with, with surface problems. It's, it's like taking pain medicine for a headache instead of fixing the, the cause of the headache. And Jesus knew there would always be a problem in society because people make up society. But he also knew that there was a solution to that. And that was a changed heart. And that's why he came. And he came to introduce this new way of living, this upside down economy where it was a race to the back of the line, not a race to the front. It was a race to the bottom, not a race to the top. This upside down economy. And in the first century, they didn't call it church and they didn't call it Christianity. They didn't call it the Bible. They didn't call it any of those things. They just simply called it the way. Just the way. And people ask, well, well what does this look like? And Jesus said, it, it looks like me. And they say, well, what does it act like? And Jesus said, well, it acts like me. And I think it was Philip who said, no, we want to see God. What does God look like? And Jesus said, just look at me. I am the way. Watch the way I live. And you can boil all of it down to one commandment that if you and I would take a hold of and live by, it literally has the power to change everything. And it's this commandment to love others as he loved us. Just to love others as he loved us. And it's brilliant because I believe that, it, that this commandment is the bridge between our differences. Between our dissimilar lives, our dissimilar backgrounds, our dissimilar experiences, our dissimilar political beliefs, theological beliefs, disagreements on how we should solve problems. And I absolutely love the fact that Jesus himself, the very last act that Jesus performed before he went to the cross, very last one, just before Passover, his last act of service was to wash feet. Now picture this, he and the disciples are in the room, 
They're going to have supper, and the culture of that day says you got to clean up before you can eat. And one of the things that gets most dirty in that, those days were your feet because you had sandals on and you walked on, uh, on dirty streets. And, and so, so they, they, would, they were supposed to hire a servant. Now, there were tiers of servants, right? And this was the lowest of the low. This was the lowest servant that, that you could be. If you washed people's feet, this was the lowest that you could go. And so they, they messed up. They forgot to hire this servant. And so they're in the room and they, they don't even understand what's going on. As a matter of fact, a couple of them are like, Jesus, I know you're at the front of the line. I know you're number one and rightfully so. You're Jesus, you're the Messiah. I mean, I get all that. But can I be number two? Can I be number three? Like, like they're trying to figure out how to get from where they are further advanced. They're trying to advance their status in the kingdom. And none of them were volunteering to wash feet, even though they knew they needed to wash their feet before they could eat. And so Jesus, the one that rightfully belonged at the front of the line, the one who was at the front of the line, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Messiah, the Son of God, he's at the front of the line. And he hurriedly makes his way to the back of the line. He takes his robe off and he puts a towel around his waist. And he kneels. And he washes feet. Now the apostles didn't understand it. Like I said, they were trying to figure out who's, who's, how, they, how can they get higher in status? How can they get to the front of the line? And then all of a sudden the guy at the front of the line is at the back of the line. And they're like, what is going on? And then he starts washing their feet. And, and they're horf- they don't say a word. And I know it was part of their custom that day, and it's not part of our custom today, but I kinda sorta know how they feel. Because I've had my feet washed one time. And honestly, it was the most horrific experience. I I never want that to ever happen again, ever, ever, ever. Number one, it's just weird. But, But there were two reasons that day that it was horrifying to me. Num- number one, there were other people watching. And, and I was very um, conscious of what was going on. And I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. But do you know the worst thing about it was? The person washing my feet. You see, the person washing my feet was my leader. He was my pastor. He was my mentor. He was my friend, but I followed him. He had no business washing my feet. And the disciples are sitting there and Jesus has no business taking on the role of the lowest servant and washing their feet. And yet that's what he does. And none of them say anything until you get to Peter. (laughs) And Peter's like, no, Jesus, don't wash my feet. And Jesus said, hush up, Peter. He's like, oh, yes, sir. So he washes his feet. The very hands that caused the blind to see and the very hands that caused the lame to walk and the very hands that caused the dead to live are the very hands who are now washing feet. And there's one point that I think we miss so often and specifically this story. He washed their feet even though they were going to get dirty again. 
There's people in this room, people online watching. You don't make your bed every day. Do you know why? You're just going to mess it up again. What's the point? Right? We understand this. So why did he wash their feet? They're just going to get it dirty again. How, how many times, some of you in this room, this is you. I, I just, I've been there before, so I'm not trying to be accusing. But you quit helping somebody. Especially someone with addiction. Why? Because you helped them, and they just did it again. You financially helped them, and they just got in trouble again. You helped them with whatever their immediate need was, and they just got in trouble again. And Jesus, knowing their feet, they were just going to get dirty again. He did it anyway. I, I know, especially like real options, it deals with abortion. I know it's difficult. We know what the Bible says and what theology says and all of those things. But, but until you've gotten close enough and walked hand in hand with a mom that doesn't know what to do, who maybe has three kids and already living in poverty. It changes things. And they might mess up and do it again. But it didn't stop Jesus from washing feet. In John 13, 14, he makes it very clear. He says, now that I, and then he defines who he is to his disciples. He says, now that I, your Lord and your teacher. He's, he's saying, the guy that belongs at the front of the line, He's making it clear to them. Now that I have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Even though they're gonna get dirty again, it doesn't matter. He says, I set the example in verse 15. He says, I have set the example that you should do this. You should do as I have done and wash feet. And it goes right back to that one commandment that kind of introduced his upside down way of living to love others as he has loved us. And what does that look like? Well, it looks like washing feet. It, it, it looks like racing to the back of the line instead of to the front. And here's, don't miss this, here's what hung in that moment. Washing their feet did not solve their problem. Washing their feet address their current need. You see, Rome wasn't overthrown. Matter of fact, Rome's still around. The system didn't change. Jesus still went to the cross. He still died. They were still afraid. They ran for their lives, and all of them ended up dying. <laughs> it didn't solve their problem. But it did address their current need. And Jesus commanding them to wash one another's feet ensured that their differences would not divide them. It ensured that. Do you know why? Do you know why I can confidently say that today? Because <laughs> you can't wash feet from a distance. You can't do it. You cannot wash feet from a distance. And, and, and the deal is, the further we are away from a problem, the simpler the solution seems. Watching football yesterday, I was an expert sitting on my couch. But if you get close enough, 
you have to address the complexity of the situation. It's not near as simple as we think it is from a distance. You have to address things like that you didn't know, like someone's background or their experiences or their family life or their circumstances, challenges that you didn't even know existed. When you get close enough to see from their perspective, we many times have that oh moment. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, this whole time I thought. We have that oh moment. (laughs) Don't miss this. When, When we understand someone else's current reality, we are less critical. We are less cynical. And we're less intelligent. We just didn't know what we thought we knew because we had it all figured out from a distance sitting on our couch. And Jesus brilliantly says to the people who would literally pilot the gospel in their generation and honestly build a foundation for you and I today. He says, guys, I know you're not always gonna get along and I know you're not always gonna see eye to eye, but if you'll just stay close enough to wash feet. You will never be paralyzed and you will never be stopped just because of your differences. And honestly, history took this thought on. Systems didn't change, they're still in place. But hearts were changed, we know, because of the rest of their lives. And hearts are still being changed today and today the world is a better place because of changed hearts, not because of changed systems. So what, so what do we do? As a Christ follower, what do we do? Well, let's not shut it all down or take it all in. Both are tempting, neither are helpful. Let's not do that. So many times we're tempted to get up when we need to get down. We're tempted to take a stand or maybe turn and run. And Jesus' example is now take a knee. Serve. So what do we do? Let's do for others what he did for us. Let's love others like he loved us. Let's do that. We can do that, right? And, and, and let's do what we can do, right? Let's not focus on what we can't do. Let's focus on what we can do because we can't do everything, but we can do something. And then like Jesus, let's focus on what we can do now. There are immediate needs around us, all around us. And then let's do what we can do together because we can do more together than we can by ourselves. And that's why we do, throughout the month of November, this thing called Outside the Walls. Now, we can't make you do anything. But what we can do is put opportunity in front of you. We can put immediate needs in front of you. And our goal, we have all kinds of goals, but our, our main goal, our biggest goal is 100% participation. We want everyone to participate. Honestly, the easiest way to participate is to clear the list. It's 20 bucks. We're asking people to give 20 bucks. And Thursday, when I was going through this, I wanted to check and see if it worked. And so literally, I got my phone out and I went to our app and I clicked on give. And then it says amount and I put $20 in. And when I hit the next button, a screen popped up and I could hit a drop down menu where it said general and tie all this stuff. But there's outside the walls on there. I clicked on outside the walls and boom, just like that, I gave my 20 bucks. 100% participation. Because there's immediate needs. And all these places that are listed. And we can do that. And some say, okay, today's not a great day for me. Okay, then move your decimal to the left. 
But I'm going to be real honest with you. Many of you could move your decimal to the right. We could help more people. I know that. I understand that. So you can get on the app. You can scan the QR code. Or honestly, Dennis is going to be out in the lobby, and he'll, he'll help you give right today on your way out. 100% participation. I want to give you the opportunity to meet immediate needs. And then there are two places where you can actually physically go and serve in person. Real options, December 1st and 2nd. Either you can go December 1st and help set up for a baby shower. These are like two-hour serves. These are not difficult serves. You can go help set up, or you can go on the 2nd and actually give, take part in the, in, in the baby shower and give the gifts to these mothers. Not hard. Really easy. Immediate need. They have a need. We can meet that need. Or Children's Hunger Fund. December 9th, now the boxes are out there, you can still do all of those things. I'm not saying don't do those. But you can actually go to the Children's Hunger Fund, get to the warehouse, we're going to build boxes, we're going to stuff boxes, we're going to wrap boxes, we're going to put them on power. We're going to do all kinds of stuff. This is, this is what I would love. Cameron, good friend of mine, works there, Sean's husband. I would love for there to be so many people show up. He goes, uh-oh. Like, I don't know what to do with all you people. Right? I, I would love for that to be the case. But here's the deal. Jesus gave us the example. It's up to us to follow his lead. And we as a church want to do everything we can to help you do that. So here's the opportunities. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to stand. Go ahead and stand. I'm going to close this in prayer. And then I want you to to either scan the QR code or go out in the lobby. However you want to do it. However it works best for you. 100% participation. Let's sign up. Let's give. Let's do what God has asked us to do. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the clarity of your word. Thank you for the very clear example that we have in Jesus. Sometimes we make it way too hard. God, may our differences never paralyze us or stop us from doing the right thing. God, help us to live our lives like the example that Jesus set. And right now we have the opportunity to meet some immediate needs. And so God, I pray with all of my heart that our church meets them all and exceeds them. God, again, thank you for who you are. Dismiss us in your grace. In your name I pray, amen.